every once in a while, something happens that reminds you of your age. This week, as I was uh, thinking about uh, just my life in general, I was thinking about work, I was thinking about my family, and a friend came to me and said, hey, I have a hernia. And I said, I've got a guy. And that's how I know how old I am. Welcome to the Paint the Platter Show, everyone. It's Peter Don. Kristen, hello. Hello. Dame, hello. Good day. Dame, I feel like you've got a guy for a lot of things. Uh, do you have a hernia guy? <laughs> I don't. You said that. And I was like, I, I don't have a hernia guy. I'm not sure I would have to be uh, referred to somebody for a hernia. One of the great pleasures in life is having a, a, a person or a guy that you can turn to. It's like, hey, I have a tear in my abdominal wall. Stitch it up through my belly button. Right. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah. What, Kristen? Yes. No, it's a it's an interesting <laughs> uh, way to describe that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's what we're not going to talk about on the show this week. I got a different car this week. What? We're not going to talk about it, though, because I it just it's complicated and no one wants to hear about my car uh, other than probably you two and a bunch of other people. I do. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do it off the air. It was a, it was a very me thing. Uh uh, and it and it went very quickly, and uh, and now I have a different car. So there you go. No, oh. I still uh, it's still a good financial decision. Okay. Um, I the elephant in the room needs to be discussed right now, Kristen, and that's the fact that this potentially could be the fourth week in a row in which Damien is funny, and I know a lot of people are, are on the edge of their seats right now, wondering can he be genuinely funny four weeks in a row. Can he do it? So as you and I prepare to support whatever it is he's going to do today, should you and I get on the same page? Should we be just like our normal um, sort of uh, taste and, and humor? Should we be more generous? Should mm. we be tougher? <laughs> I see. You know, that's interesting because is it, do the stakes continue to get higher? Like we need you to level up, you know? Okay. Okay, so this is why I bring this up. Oh, hello, everyone saying hello. Jeremy, uh, Mr. Pinkins, Andy, Jason, hola, hola, hola. Um, here's why I bring this up. Kristen, one of the, the strangest things uh, that I've come to learn is that when people introduce me as a former comedian or as I'm going to speak or something, it, it makes it harder. The barrier to laughter goes up about three feet. And so... Dame's newfound reputation as a as a you know a comedic genius. <laughs> I was driving in my car last week, my old car. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> oh, Lord, um, last weekend uh, when our radio show airs, you know, because this isn't just a top one percent podcast; it's a syndicated radio show. So I'm, I'm driving, and uh, our show is on, and I'm listening to it. And Damien hits us with the all Americans uh, joke. <laughs> and I laugh out loud. And I, I was like, man, that's really funny. And so, Dame, how's it going to go today? Uh, if someone's on the edge of their seat, I'm going to tell them just go ahead and scoot back to the, to the back of your chair, get comfortable. So that's how it's going to go. Yeah, I, oh, no. we'll see. I, oh, I never plan no. on being funny. It's just, 
It either happens or it doesn't. Wait a sec. Are you related to Heather? Heather Fiddler just notes. It's funny. Dame is the funny one. Heather's nope. new. <laughs> Heather, are you new here? <laughs> Good morning, Rick Swink. Uh, Andy and Rick Swink, how are those uh, Kristen and Co. coffee mugs we sent you? Uh, they, they, they hold liquid? They have any holes in them? <laughs> Pete, did, uh, did you... Uh... Was anybody else in the car when you were listening to the show? Uh, no, no. Mm. Okay. So nobody else could confirm that I was indeed funny. In fact, funny to them. I, cause I, it could be that I'm just funny to you. Well, no, here's, here's where my ego is going to pop up a little bit more than normal, which is a lot. I know what funny is <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've been funny. And so that's where, that's where, We'll see what happens today. Anyway, we have a, a fabulous show today. Andy says the mug is fantastic so far. Still have the handle and uh, logo, and they hold liquid. <laughs> right Kristen, on. We did it. We did. Okay. Here's what we're doing today. We're talking. It's uh, Valentine's week. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's Valentine's week, so we're going to talk <laughs> five money conversations you should have with your lover partner okay and then we're gonna do five what about what what's the other one five tips for having those conversations five tips to have that conversation with your lover partner and then i've got a real life situation where someone wants to buy a house a single person without a lover partner partner okay. See, Kristen takes the laughs today. Kristen, that's funny. That's good. Well, don't. That's the bar's pretty low for me, though. It's different. Rick Swink notes that his coffee nug is superb. <laughs> <laughs> it does indeed hold coffee. Then he corrects his spelling, but I do like coffee nug better. So sweet. Um, biggest waste of money of the week this week is a pretty good one, too. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a good show. Excellent. Okay. Um, all right, let's do it. Oh, I got a new phone and I don't know how to pull up the, <laughs> I don't know how to pull up the clock. That's. Wait, I am you old. got a new phone? I did. Got a new phone. You guys, I haven't had a new phone since 2019. What? Yeah. I just don't believe in getting a new phone because it's the same technology. I even got the same size phone, um, but mine just couldn't do it any longer. So. Dame, can you imagine how much COVID her old phone had? Ew. I mean, it came around just right. in the cracks. And the, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Not great. Okay. Um, let's do the show. Uh-oh. What? Did Dame freeze? Yes. Still yeah, frozen? My, inner, my, conne my connection's struggling. Kristen, did you pass this to Dame this week? Because earlier this week, your connection was struggling. That was because a construction crew cut the internet line coming into my entire town. That was different. Entire <laughs> town of seven. Okay. Exactly. I'm going to do my uh, real estate question first. Uh, okay. Or did you not want that? No, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. It's just not mentally prepared, but I am now. We're good. I mean, it's just, you know, it's easy. It's delay 10 minutes. It's okay. Yeah. You know what? Let's give you let's give you an extra twenty minutes to think through it. We'll start with five tips for your lover, right? Is that what it? What, what's the show? Five <laughs> five money conversations okay. you need to have with your partner, and I only have four, so one of you has to come up. Okay, with in it. three, two, one. 
This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And this week is a special episode of the Beat the Planner Show as Valentine's Day is upon us. So we will talk about five money conversations to have with your partner. Joining me, as always, are my radio plutonic partners damien dunn no relation good day Kristen elanius no relation hello uh five conversations you should have with your partner now Kristen, um you gotta think staying on the same page as your significant other is uh, a good investment of time and energy uh yeah yeah, but I'm also pretty biased, right? I sought out a whole second degree in the financial therapy space. So there is, I, I am a little biased, but, and I also think these conversations totally depend on the stage of your relationship as well. So I hope we can kind of hit different types of conversations to have in these five. So are you a doctor? Dan, do we have to call her doctor? I don't have a PhD. I think we should regardless. All right, doctor. <laughs> From here on out, you are Dr. Kristen Alanius. All right. But I do feel like, Dame, that is also f- fraudulent if we were to call her that. Also true. Stolen valor. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Dame has been funny four weeks in a row. It's official. That was that was a good callback. Okay. Kristen, what's the first money conversation you should have with your significant other? Perfect. So this is one, if you are in a longer term, like more committed relationship, maybe again, been together for several years, or maybe you're married, we have to talk about as a household, as a couple, what we want retirement to look like. Yeah. Interesting. Dame, you've been married a very long time to a person. Mm -hmm. Um, and you also getting to the age like me that it, 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 well, I'll speak for my, it feels like it's coming into view a little bit more than it has in the past. Are you feeling that or no? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you, you as your kids age, you can kind of see what's over the horizon for them, it, you know, much sooner than it, it felt like even a year ago that you don't have to think too hard to see your retirement, not too far off in the distance as well. So retirement seems more and more like a reality that I'm going to be dealing with with in the not too distant future i pete i don't know if you've realized that when you, you sit down it's like i i don't have that much longer to to get all these things accomplished financially before i'm genuinely considering retirement uh, that's hit me multiple times in the last six months is it you yeah I, for me it, it's really more about um just get my kids through college and then figure out the rest. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'm at. So uh, getting on the same page as your significant other is conversation number one. Kristen, what's the fear there that people, one person's like, I want to go move to Florida. And the other person says, I don't like alligators. Like what's the move there? Yeah, I think that's exactly the fear. And in earlier stages of a relationship, we could be talking about maybe one of you has really aggressive goals for retirement. What if one of you is all about the fire movement, financial independence, retire early, and the other's like, whoa, I don't want to sacrifice that much along the way. I'm happy with just uh, what is considered to be like a societal normal when it comes to retirement, 65, 67, whatever. That's a really big difference in opinion in today, but also in your retirement years. 
At the risk of throwing this whole thing off, you know what I used to see a lot when I actually was a financial planner is that someone, because they had a pension, would retire at like 55 and start their retirement. And the other person couldn't retire and didn't retire. And it just, I don't, I'm trying not to judge. I'm just absurd. It was weird. Yeah. There's friction there. I mean, somebody has, you know, you know checked out of, of the workforce and they are enjoying the spoils of all their labor. There's now a, they're doing it by themselves. If the other person's going to work, it's a struggle. Dame is broadcasting from Neptune today. So you'll hear some of his uh, oh. cosmic sounds. Kristen, what's conversation number two the one should have with their partner? I would say having a conversation before you would have to make any sacrifices about expenses in your life that are and are not negotiable. What's so an example? Yeah. Great question. Would love to tell you. So for me personally, I would say that I could not manage a financial life with someone who wouldn't be able to understand that I would quite literally sell my house and live in my car if my dogs needed something that I couldn't objectively afford. Like that is just non-negotiable for me as a human being. And that's a really big deal. And not everybody could get on board with that. Yeah, that's interesting. I, and Dame, do you have an example of something like that that is just non-negotiable? I'm just trying to figure out if I'm going to sound like a 1990s audio clip at this point. Max Hedrum. Yes, that's exactly what I was going for. Um, yeah, I got to think non-negotiable for me. I don't know. I, I also feel, I think there's some gender dynamics here, if I can be really honest uh, sure. about this. Kristen, here would be my fear. Uh, I, I am, in fact, a financial expert. But I feel like if I go into my household, and I go to my lovely partner of now 24 years and say, hey, this is the way it's going to be. It's not going to go well. So uh, this is non-negotiable for me. Uh, the next segment will be about tips on how to have these conversations. But I think it's all about being proactive in these spaces to say, you know, hey, if we're going to reduce some spending, nothing crazy. These are things that I really still want to find a way to be able to objectively afford. Maybe it's drinks after work with your friends on Fridays and saying, hey, if we're going to cut back expenses, this is really something that I would prefer to not cut back versus you're looking at historical spending together. Maybe you're in a position where you have to cut back and your partner's like, um, you spend 50 bucks a week at happy hour on Friday and we just can't do that anymore. I think it's about the proactive nature of that conversation. Sometimes Thursday. Um, Kristen, talk to me about the three other types of conversations with the two minutes and 18 seconds we have remaining. Yeah, we might not be able to hit them all because this one's a big one. Before you commit to financial life with someone, you have to know the reality of their debt. Dame, I remember when you'd go on first dates, you'd hand people a copy of the Fair Credit Reporting Act as you'd run <laughs> their credit at an Applebee's in Allen County. Is this true? Yeah, all the time. Except sometimes it wasn't always Applebee's. It could have been Bob Evans. That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, that's an interesting one. Um, I've seen relationships end over debt uh, and budding relationships, that that big reveal of, oh, by the way, I've got $90,000 in credit card debt. I've seen that happen. 
Yeah, I think it's about getting ahead of that at a time that's appropriate. I'm not saying it's first date material, but as a relationship is progressing to a more committed, longer term place, knowing the reality of, hey, you know, I have some credit card debt or, hey, I have a mountain of student loan debt, because the reality is, is that when you merge financial lives, that whether you truly take ownership of those liabilities or not, they still impact your financial reality. Give me the next conversation. What do you got? What's the what's the fourth one? Um, this is an ongoing conversation. What are our top three financial priorities right now? Yeah, I like that one because sometimes someone can just get sidetracked. Something catches their interest and then they don't talk about it. And then there's this hidden grudge that you don't know why exists. Exactly. Yeah. It's about staying in front of that because to your point, life happens and you might think something is a priority one minute and then the next minute you're getting a new car on a Wednesday. It was a Monday. Excuse me. Um, All right. Let's do this. Let's take a break. Uh, We will come back very quickly with the fifth money conversation you would have with your significant other. And then five tips for having these conversations with your partner. It's Valentine's Day week here on the Pete the Planner Show. And for us, that means communication and flowers and chocolate and maybe some wine. All that's next on the Pete the Planner Show, except for the wine. I'm Pete the Planner. That's what happens when you start the outro like <laughs> three minutes too early. I don't have a fifth one, so. I'll come up with something. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> so do I need to restart my computer again? Well, I, I, I've thought of that, but then I also thought, well, what, what would that do? Apparently um, nothing. Is it, is your speed test suggesting that this should be happening or do you think it's your computer? I don't know. My speed test was, it was perfectly fine. It wasn't Uh-oh. 130, but it was upper nineties. Yeah. That should not be a problem. You need to work at a place that's got better work machines, you know, that <laughs> can provide you with a better computer. And what's interesting is he doesn't freeze or anything when he's listening to us. But as soon as he starts to talk, then it's like his computer can't like his then video is garbled, too, which makes no sense. Yeah. You would know, doctor. Okay. Do you have Valentine's Day plans? Are we like, is, is this like, do I have to sign a form if I ask people these things? Like what? Uh, you could do anything. Who me? Yeah. No. <laughs> Dame, are you, are you and Mrs. Advice do anything for Valentine's Day? Uh oh. Wait, can you even hear us, Dame? Like every fifth word, I I don't have a choice. I have to restart. I'll join you in the next segment at some point. I okay. apologize. Boy, this isn't funny. Good thing I got it in early. <laughs> Wow. Can you imagine the pressure that? Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Bye Dame. Oh, Kristen, just you and I here on Valentine's day week show. Uh, Mrs. Planner and I are, are going to try to go to dinner because we've got like 90 minutes to do so before we have to pick up the weirdos. So, <laughs> okay. Um, let's just go back to the show. Uh, I'll come up with a fifth conversation thing on the fly. And then okay. uh, you give the, your five tips on better conversations in three, cool. two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking the types of conversations you should have with your significant other about money to ensure the romance stays alive. Kristen, does that capture what we're talking about? I think that was perfect. I would have said it exactly like that. I want to talk. The fifth conversation is 
the emergency plan conversation, not the emergency fund conversation, the emergency plan conversation. What happens if something goes wildly wrong? What do you do? Who do you call? Uh, sure, I run the finances in my particular household. Um, if I, uh, you know, get hurt, can't talk, whatever, which if I can't talk, people are pretty excited. But <laughs> if, if, if who do you go to? Yeah. Here's the, here's the person. Here's the plan. I think that's a conversation you have once every few years just to ensure it's the same person. Uh, that seems reasonable, right? I think it does seem reasonable. And as at the level of the couple, it also keeps you accountable to keeping other plans up to date. Because if you're like, hey, we haven't had this conversation in a little while and you say, oh, wow, our adult children, are their guardianship is still listed in the documents that we have should in our Pete's dead binder. Like, okay, does that necessarily make sense? So I think it also keeps you accountable to updating and improving those conversations. I know how to excite Mrs. Planner this Valentine's Day. I'll bring up the idea that I could possibly not be around. <laughs> She'll be like, oh, wow, things are heating up. <laughs> uh, okay, Kristen, uh, it's one thing to have particular conversations, but there, there are best practices to make sure those conversations go well. Yeah. So help us understand uh, what those elements are. Yeah. So I would, we'll start with, because you're the one on the show um, right now, we'll start with make sure that you're both prepared to have a money conversation. And I say that because Pete, I think you and I are similar in this vein of this is something, this is a behavior I've had to unlearn because my natural tendency is to let something bother me and then just like announce it and be like, yeah, it's time to talk about it. And I feel like you're maybe the same way. Like you're on your flight home from a work trip and you're sitting, you know, Delta first class and what? eating all the snacks because that's what you get in first class. And <laughs> you, you have your computer open, you're going through your budget and you start to like feel some financial anxiety about maybe some stretch goals. You know, you land, you send Mrs. Planner a calendar invite for dinner. You're like, Hey, let's talk about it. Something tells me that's your natural tendency is to just like kind of let it get to this point where she immediately has to be involved. That sounds like fan fiction. I don't think any of that was <laughs> remotely not, true. That is so true. It isn't. I, I'll say this. I, I, I'm maybe this isn't helpful in the tw I don't, 24 years we've been married. It's the 24th year. I don't feel like I've ever confronted or uh, her about money ever. If someone's really? doing something stupid, it's me. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> right? I, like, I I think that's the weird, the secret behind all of this is like, uh, I, I never go, seriously, do we really need this easy cheese? You know, like, like never me. Touche. And I think that you're a more empathetic person than that. But I do think that the preparation side of a conversation is potentially where like maybe yours and my personality is like something that we have to like take a step back and like feel prepared to have this conversation. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of saying if, if we are going to talk about money in our house, which we do, uh, I'll say, hey, this weekend, can we take 20 minutes to talk about some financial things? That's all yeah. it takes. Just let people get their head around it. Yeah. All right. What else? The number one tip, in my opinion, is to remember that different people raised you. Well, I mean, in most states, that works. The reason for oh. that. Oh, 
The reason for that is because we've talked on this show about how so much of what we know about money is observed, learned behaviors from our childhood. What we know about money is often caught, not taught. And you and your partner didn't grow up, even if you grew up in the same town, you still didn't grow up in the same day-to-day environment that shaped your thoughts, values, beliefs about money. And it is not reasonable to expect to just come to the table and be on the same page about money conversations. It's an ongoing thing and it takes work. Damien, uh, when you think about that, the different people raised you, sometimes as you try to select your own behavior around money, you're running from what you were taught as opposed to to what you were taught. Uh, how, how often in the work that, that you all do talking to people and their financial lives, do you see that people are actually running from what they saw? Uh, it's not uncommon at all. And frankly, sometimes they don't even realize that that's what they're doing. They, they may have uh, internalized some behavior that they witnessed or they experienced when they were younger or maybe even as a, an adult. And they have some a life event that changes their perspective and they decide that they aren't going to repeat it or maybe they just subconsciously don't want anything to do with it. And they have behavior that may imp- what well, would certainly impacts them and sometimes to their detriment based off of what they've internalized. Yeah, that's natural, right, Kristen? I mean, it's it just uh, y- you learn from other people's mistakes and y- you certainly don't marginalize or trivialize the challenges that those people had. But you say, well, look, if I'm faced with that same scenario. I had a little distance from it. I could see it, observe it a little different. It wasn't as emotional for me. Mm -hmm. Here's how I would do it differently. Yeah. And that really dovetails so nicely into the next one, which is to empathize with the behavior behind the numbers. Like you just said, sometimes people are running from financial behaviors. Sometimes they are trying to mimic good financial behaviors. So maybe your partner is, you know, a real penny pincher and, but is it because they grew up in a house where they often had to do without and they're afraid of coming back to that place? And you might just view your partner as a real cheapskate. Or, you know, the opposite could be true. Maybe they grew up in a house without a lot of guardrails around money. And now as an adult managing their own adult money, they have trouble putting those natural guardrails in place. So trying to see your partner for the human that they are and not looking immediately to, hey, why did we spend this money or why can't we spend this money? Yeah, I I have a rule around that, that when someone is so emotional or or or, or does something that I disagree with, right? Well, and, and again, this is at the world at large. What I try to do is to say, you know, if they were correct, let, let's say, like, I disagree with them, but let's say they were correct. You actually f- feel that their actions and emotion are justified, right? It's to say, you know what, if I felt that way, I would have done yeah. the same thing. Because uh, sometimes when you disagree with someone, uh, y- you forget that if they really, really believe that, and you really, really believe that, mm-hmm. then you would do the same thing. And, and so I, I even think politically, that's like a huge thing for me of like, sure, I think what I think, and I might disagree with other people do. But what I do is like, okay, if what they're saying is, if they believe it to be true, of course, that's that's what's going on there. So I don't know, you know, politics, Marriage, same thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Tip number four? 
Ooh. Normalize money conversations. If we're having more money conversations, if we're having lower stakes money conversations, they don't have to feel quite so intimidating because if we're not talking about money on a regular basis, it tends to be big or problematic conversations that we're having. And that's what makes them feel so high stakes. Dame, without uh, you revealing more than you want to, I, you have two money experts in your house, uh, both adults. Yeah. Uh, maybe two budding ones as well. Who knows? Um, I got to assume you talk about money a on a different level and b less frequently because you would seem aligned. Is that a, a fair assessment or do you guys talk about money all the time? Um, it depends. Uh, we, we had a money conversation this morning. And in fact, so it, it just kind of, uh, entirely depends on what we are facing in, in our financial upcoming financial life, or if we're talking about goals or if we see a big expense on the horizon, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that it's out there and we have that conversation and we at least acknowledge it amongst each other. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's take a break so everyone can go start those conversations. And we come back, a real life a housing scenario. Should a person use their IRA to buy a house? That's next. I'm Pete the Planner. It's a little more nuanced than that, but you'll see. That went fast. Dame, you sound a little bit better. Uh, mm -hmm. So we'll just try to have you talk in short bursts so that you don't. Yep. Uh, do you want me, Chris, do you want me to give the news to Kristen this week? Don't do that to me. <laughs> yes. Come on. <laughs> you guys. Give it to me. Give it to me. <clears throat> I want to see if I can do it. <laughs> okay. And then you guys, I, I, okay, here's what we'll do. I'll do the news. No, no. But I can't make any jokes. Mm. What? No, they're on you. Like, Kristen, you do the jokes. <laughs> you th I'll, I'll read something you've never heard of, and then instantly you come up with something hilarious. That is, like, so far outside the realm of possibility. No, that's what we're going to do. I am not funny. Oh, come on. I'm not fun nor am I funny. No, that's fair. Oh, yes. Okay, Dave. Let me see if I can get into this first here. Dave, you can you can ignore all the stuff that says like story one, story five. Do whatever you want. Um, oh, this is great. Okay, got it. This is fun. Okay, uh, let's do my segment here now. Are you ready to go? I'll just give you the details on the fly. Okay. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame. I have a friend. Congratulations. Yeah, yes, thank you. Yes. Uh, I have a friend and I was talking to my friend. My friend just turned 28 years old. So I'm going to give you a bunch of numbers and tell you what's going on. My friend was just told that she can no longer live uh, in the place that she's renting because they're uh, redoing it. So she has to move by June. She planned on sure. buying a house in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, and now she's feeling a little, her hand is forced a little bit. Uh, to some degree, but she also has enough stability that she potentially is in position to buy a house. So I want to go through some some of the mechanics of this thing. Ask me whatever you need to, to know. I, I feel like I know some stuff. Um, has a full three-month emergency fund set aside. Okay. okay. Has at least $10,000 to put down that is in cash. Okay. Has an old IRA, an old 401k that they were about to roll over into an IRA uh, to the tune of about $10,000. 
Okay. This would be this person's first time home purchase. Okay. And the value of the home is just under $200,000. And they currently have a roommate in their apartment and their roommate is going to move in with them in this house, theoretically. And so then their take home or pardon me, their, their take home pay only the mortgage will be 20% of their take home pay after the roommate ships in. Okay. So the question is a, should the person put, they can't put 20% down. They just can't, but should they put 20,000 down, 10% down, uh, 10,000 coming from, uh, their regular savings. And then this 10,000 theoretically coming from the first time home buyer exemption off of a, a qualified plan. And by the way, the mechanics of that, I need to know, I don't think you can do that straight from a 401k. I think you would actually have to roll it to an IRA first, then take the withdrawal out of that. But then I don't know if there's a five-year holding period involved with that before you make that move. So I'm going to pause here, take questions and thoughts. How do we know anything about retirement? Uh, I would say they're on on they're saving the right amount of money, but they're again they're twenty just turned twenty eight, so they are saving the right amount of money. Okay. Um, the roommate. Do we know how firm this roommate situation is? Like the roommates for sure move into. Yes. Okay. What do things look like if the roommate bails? It's a good question. Um. Well, I would assume then that pushes the mortgage. I don't know how much higher. I mean, is it, it wouldn't be 40% then, would it? Well, if the roommate's paying half. Yeah, that's that's what I'm, I'm just getting at here too. Hmm. My question is, do we know for sure that this person pre-quals? They did. Okay. Um, Six and a half percent interest rate too, by the way. Which is pretty good. Now <laughs> it's better than bad. <laughs> like, I don't... Well, uh, didn't we climb back above seven recently? Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong about that. Okay, so here's kind of my gut reaction: is why do we have to take the IRA money if the home per if the monthly payment is objectively affordable, especially with the roommate? Like, why does the IRA money have to be part of it? That's interesting. Dame. I I mean that ten thousand dollars at twenty eight, that's going to double how many more times between now and retirement? Four or five. Yeah. That's a significant amount of money. Ten to twenty, twenty to forty, forty to eighty, eighty to one sixty, and then maybe you get the sec the next doubling, one sixty to three twenty. Yeah. Maybe. It's a three hundred and twenty thousand dollar decision. Yeah. I to me, the amount of money that you put down serves two purposes. Proof that I'm able to save and potentially makes a home more affordable. But if this person can objectively afford the payment without the 10000 they have proved that they're capable of saving. They have a three-month emergency saving and $10,000 independent of the IRA. They, for me, have checked that box of I'm capable of doing this, assuming the money wasn't like inherited or something and they just like came into it. But if they've actually saved that money along the way, 
I don't think you have to touch the IRA. I, and it, I'm going to have to make some guesses here. Okay. So I believe they are the type of person who has been able to save it, but I don't know that for fact. Yeah. So Dame, maybe to Kristen's point here, let's say for a second, it was inherited. How does that change your thinking uh, about this situation? That the three months expenses set aside in emergency fund, it's inherited. Let's say the $10,000 that's saved for the home is also inherited. How does that change this for you? Uh, I would like to know how long it took to get the three months worth of savings built up. And have they ever dipped into it? And how long did it take to re, you know, refund that emergency fund? Is it something that's happened very, very slowly over a period of time? Or do they have the uh, latitude in their month-to-month finances that they can pull money out and really focus on saving that cash? I hear you on that, and I'm not disagreeing with you. But I guess, I think the three of us know this. The real emergencies start the second you become a homeowner. The second mm-hmm. that you you are older than 28 years old. Like, not, not that 22 to 28 isn't hard, but uh, 22 to 28 as a renter, uh, as a single person, there's just not as many emergencies that that sort of pop up in everyday life as someone in their 30s with a house, right? Yeah, home ownership emergencies just, I mean, they can wreck an emergency fund. That's just the reality. And when I hear the home price, depending on where we're looking at geographically, that home, I can think of areas where we're talking about a $200,000 house that in my head, I'm like, holy cow, over time, this is going to need a lot of work. In other areas, it's like, no, this could be a perfectly fine purchase from a cash flow, future cash flow perspective. But I absolutely think the age, the condition, um, those other variables around the house itself would sway my decision one way or another. Yeah, I also think, I, I don't, I, can she just put down 5%? And then just do it, structure the loan that way as opposed to 10, because he's not going to do 20. Um, I guess the biggest, the, here's the two biggest things that would scare me. Number one, the the, the roommate's there for 18 months, vominos, and then what do you what do? You do? Mm-hmm. You, you, your rate's jacked up or your, your payment's jacked up. Uh, the other thing uh, that w- would worry me there is that condo fees. I, I believe this to be a condominium, the person's yeah. moving in. And I feel like if you've never paid for those before, <laughs> you somehow ignore them in the purchase pro- process. And there's another 350 bucks a month before you know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. So what if this person, because they're almost acting like their own landlord a little bit, what if instead of taking all of the money that the roommate pays per month and putting oh. it toward the mortgage, what if they create like a little house emergency fund as like a, this is my residence, but this is my rental? Because it sounds like they would need a roommate for the foreseeable future anyway. So it's like, hey, let's start this like renter emergency fund for the room that I would rent out to this current roommate or maybe potentially a future roommate. So Dame, that's interesting because what you could do is instead of allocating only 20% of your take-home pay, you allocate 30% of yours and then use that 10% overage to set up. Kristen, I'm, I kind of love that. Not just a hat rack, my friends. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think you should make hat jokes to two bald men on the radio. I think it's insensitive. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. I do love a good hat though. 
Uh, all right, let's do this. We're going to take a break. Dame's having sound issues this week, so he can just you know say things here and there. That means this week's biggest waste of money of the week, I will deliver, and I will also live my lifelong dream of reading the news on my own radio show for the first time ever. <laughs> I know you're excited. Kristen's excited because she's going to be the one that's going to have to deliver all the jokes off the top of her head to make this segment entertaining. All of that's next right here on the Pete the Planner News Hour. I'm Pete the Planner. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't know. I, Dame, it is fun watching her get uncomfortable, isn't it? Yes, because she grows every time. I agree. <sighs> so put a hair on your chest, you know? That's what my dad used to say. I'm tired of growing. You guys told me I had to grow two years ago when I started being on this show. Can't I take a break yet? And look at look at you now. You're a Media homeowner. Darling. Media darling. <laughs> Were you in Indiana when you started back on the, the show? Um, I have been on this show in Indiana. I have been on this show in Texas, and I have been on this show in Arizona. But as a regular figure on this show, Indiana. Kristen and co uh, for those wondering our group chat, which Kristen ac uh, accesses on her brand new phone uh, is called Kristen and co. That's the name of our group chat. You did that. I did not. Let's be clear. <laughs> All right. It could Dame. Also be called Kristen and the olds. Yeah, that actually is pretty good too. Yeah. Kristen and a guy who has a hernia guy and another guy. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's do the show. Okay, I got a little more logistics than normal here, but that's okay. I'll figure it out on the fly, Kristen. I'm not. I'm oh, just kidding. Just trying to make you feel bad. You know, three, two, <laughs> one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the... Uh, the said DS 600 snake sectional sofa produced in Switzerland in 1972. The DS 600 snake sectional sofa is a mid-century design icon. The modular sofa is made of 25 pieces that can be zipped together into endless configurations. Versatile and functional, owners can choose to wrap it around coffee tables in a half circle or create a free-flowing form to slither through living spaces like its namesake. The cognac... How... Time out. <laughs> how do you just pronounce cognac? Yeah, I don't know. I was... Oh, yeah. that was terrible. The cognac brown leather upholstery has developed a unique patina over the last 50 years while the back is covered in dark brown felt. Okay, Kristen, how, uh, how much is this 52-year-old couch uh, that's 25 pieces? So just so that I'm clear, this isn't a design from the 70s that they've then redone. This is a vintage couch. It does. I mean, I'll be honest, as I look at it, Dame, doesn't it seem as though this was at Wilt Chamberlain's house at some point? Yes. <laughs> Looks like it had seen some things. Um, 
this couch is thousands of dollars. This couch is. <laughs> she's, she's good. <laughs> that girl is good. Um, This couch, you guys, I love mid-century furniture. And some of the prices of mid-century furniture are just unbelievable. So I just have to decide at what level of unbelievable this is. This couch is $20,000. Okay. Damn. Uh, I was going to say $25,000, but I will, I'll, I'll go higher. I'll say $40,000. $49,500 for what looks like Wilt Chamberlain's old couch. Dame, what's in the news? But here's the thing this week, since Dame's having some mic issues, I will read the news. If there was an Olympic event for shipping goods to America... Mexico would be atop the podium, gleefully chomping on a gold medal. Last year, uh, Mexico clinched the title of the U.S.'s number one goods supplier, elbowing China out of the top spot for the first time in nearly two decades. The switcheroo is as much about China stumbling as it is about Mexico taking the lead. The trade imbalance between the U.S. and China is the smallest it's been since 2010. Sure, Part of that might be the U.S. cutting back on pandemic-inducing buying binge, yet it also hints at China's waning mojo. It's America's favorite shopping mall. All right. I don't know what to do. How do you transition out of <laughs> reading? That? <laughs> That's hilarious. Question for the group. Do we think <laughs> do we think that, <laughs> that it's about the proximity, like the the driver is the cost to ship goods. And because of the the our local economy to say that, okay, things are more expensive. Where can we save money? Is it on the what we call it freight to get those goods? What do you guys think is is the real driver there? Yeah, Dame, it's the tariffs, right? Yeah, tar well, tariffs. I mean, if if you would have read further in the story, you'll see that. I mean, there are some huge tariffs being uh, mentioned in certain political campaigns, up to potentially sixty percent on Chinese tar incoming imports uh, if if someone should regain the the White House. Uh, so it's it's geopolitical stuff. I mean, there's almost certainly some some uh, financial uh, costs and considerations for shipping in there as well, but. It's there, but I mean, China is trying to sidestep a bunch of that by investing a ton of cash into Mexican manufacturing, trying to sidestep those tariffs too. So they're trying to play the game. Also in the news, JP Morgan Chase has announced an ambitious plan to construct 500 new bank branches over the next three years, marking a significant expansion in its growth strategy. Kristen, this multi-billion dollar initiative has already seen the bank open over 650 branches and expand into 25 new states. I didn't realize that we had 75 states now. <laughs> Wait, oh, can I do the jokes and read? <laughs> um, guys, I can't. Have, banks are still opening? Because That's... of people like you. Oh, whoa. <laughs> wow. People that have to pay their mortgage in person. That's why they're opening more branches. I, are you saying that I've set off a, a worldwide trend to make people pay their mortgage in person? Some might call you an influencer. Dame, last time you went to the, a bank for an in-person transaction. Ooh, uh, it's been a couple of years. Oh. I, I bet it's been a couple of years. 
And Kristen, you talk tough about your banking relationship. When's the last time you went to a bank and did something in person? For my personal finances, I don't even have a physical bank. I bank online exclusively. Uh, I've made like business deposits and things because yeah. you just kind of have to, but I have not been in a long time for a personal thing. You know what I mean? What? A personal, what? Don't, don't you, what? Other than my mortgage payment. Oh. Well, that's literally every month. A Federal Reserve Bank of New York report reveals a staggering $1.13 trillion in total American credit card debt with a significant $50 billion increase in the last quarter of 2023 alone. This rise in debt coincides with a noticeable uptick in delinquencies, especially among younger millennials who are also struggling with hefty student loans. Dame, how do you come up with like pithy questions right out of like, this is so much harder than I thought it would be. It's, I'm, I'm glad you're getting to experience this. <laughs> Kristen, give me a joke. I don't have a joke. I have a real question though. Okay. Um, can we look, I want to empathize with my fellow millennials. I really do gentlemen, but can we really blame student loans for missed credit card payments when tens of millions of us didn't make the first payment. That's interesting, right? Tens of millions of people missed their first payment in October, right? Right. Like 40 million or something like, oh, it's something ridiculous. <laughs> there's there's only, yeah. there's like 44 unique million borrowers, but it was like a third or something. The number was crazy. Dane, what do you attribute that to? Just people still coming out of the uh, stimulus years of 21 or 2021. Some of it was going to be, uh, they're making a statement. They they don't want to uh, make those, those payments. They don't think they should have to. Some of it was probably legitimate. They didn't know they had to restart. Maybe some of it was, they didn't know who to send the payment to. There was all sorts of confusion coming in October, but now, now why aren't people making those payments? I think that's the better question. And I don't have a great answer other than they just don't think they can afford it. Uh, this incident might mark the moment when AI transitions from a theoretical to a practical threat. Hong Kong authorities have reported a case where a finance worker was tricked into transferring $25 million from his company's funds to fraudsters. These scammers employed deep fake technology to impersonate the company's UK-based CFO during a video call. Despite initial doubts about being targeted by a sophisticated phishing attack, the employee was convinced by the realistic appearance and voices of what he believed were his colleagues artificially generated by AI. Confident in the call's authenticity, he proceeded to send approximately 200 million Hong Kong dollars or around $25.6 million. Holy cow. You guys, that seems bad. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. It, I, you cannot, uh, personally, I cannot believe or half of what I see or maybe anything I see or hear on the internet anymore. There was a thing going around here every once in a while where people will get fake texts from mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And then we just had to tell, Peter will not text you. <laughs> He's not wondering how it's going. Like right? He's not going to text you on a Saturday and say, send me $25 million. Okay, that's it. The news is so much harder than it appears to be. <laughs> Dame just makes it look easy, and that's why he's good. Sending good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show.
Well, I think we all just learned a very important lesson, did we not? I'll I'll let the audience decide. Kristen, have you ever done? You've done that. You've done the news. Yeah, you make me do the news when Dame's gone. <laughs> oh. Well, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's hard. It is hard. That's why I don't like it when he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say this: <laughs> that I was waiting for more jokes from you, and they just didn't come. I tried to tell you that I am not funny. Oh, whatever. Okay, Dame, do you think you can uh, feed the hamster a little better next week so your internet's better? <laughs> I, don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's been kind of spotty all week. I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to get this fixed, but I may have to make some some very important phone calls to get this remedy. You think it's solar flares? Could be. I watched Could Armageddon. Um, all right, uh, I'm going to give you two... Uh, recommendations for shows to watch. Did we already talk about uh, the We Are the World video, right? We already talked about that last week. Did we talk about this? You mean the old the old school video? Yeah. Have we talked about this on the air? No. I don't think so. There's a documentary on Netflix um, about uh, the We Are the World video that was recorded in 1985. Yeah, Kristen, you weren't you weren't alive. <laughs> and it was incredible, like truly an incredible show. So uh, watch that. It's about an hour and a half long. Amazing. And then I watched a Ric Flair documentary on Netflix. I'm not a big Ric Flair guy uh, per se. I'm not a wrestling fan. Interesting. Also learned a lot. Did you walk around at all and say, woo, woo? I didn't because yeah, did my you? wife no? would be annoyed. <laughs> Okay, well, that's this and that's that. Uh, and that's the news. Is that what you say, Dame? Uh, I'm Damian Dunn. You're still you. And that's the news. Oh, he's so good at it. I really, okay. I'm humbled. Like, I'm like, <laughs> that was so much harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> the news kind of sucked this week. There wasn't a whole lot that was, was worth oh. pulling. So it, you, you had a tough hand to play. Listen like to him. I think he facilitated this with like, oh, my internet's down. Let's. <laughs> okay. All right, let's go. Um, good day to both of you. Good day to all the people out there in the world. Stay getting money.